Hi guys, it's Andy McDonald, physiotherapist and strength and conditioning coach, and welcome to the Informed Performance Podcast. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Tracy Axel, the Director of High Performance Analytics at USA Surfing, and the Manager of Sport Performance Research and Analytics at Mamba Sports Academy. In this episode of Tracy, we'll be discussing her role at USA Surfing and unpackage how she approaches professional surfing from a sports science and performance analytics perspective. If you're a regular listener, then we would greatly appreciate it if you could hit subscribe and leave us a quick review. Simply doing so makes an enormous difference to the long-term prospects of this podcast, and we would greatly appreciate either the feedback or the support. But without further ado, here is the conversation between myself and Tracy Axel. It is very easy when we have conversations about sports that we have a great deal of familiarity with, like, as an example, field-based sports or court-based sports. We can definitely get caught up in the details or the technical nuances that we take for granted. And the risk is that we don't always zoom out enough to think in principle or ask the simple questions that guide our actions and provide the greatest clarity. So quite refreshingly, and with this in mind, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome Tracy Axel from USA Surfing to today's show. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate the intro. Just to kick us off, can you um, outline kind of your background professionally? So maybe where you've been or studied and, and kind of take us through to where you are today. Sure. So my career path started with my undergraduate degree in kinesiology, exercise science from the University of Kentucky. Um, at University of Kentucky, I was a four-year dance team member and served as their captain during my junior and senior year. After I graduated um, as an athlete you know, with the dance team, I took a little bit of time off and I really would say I had those epiphany moments that I had these pipeline dreams of wanting to work with the professional surfers. So growing up on the East Coast of the States in a small um, beach community in Maryland, my family thought I was crazy, <laughs> to say the least. So after taking some time after undergrad and really figuring out where the surf industry really is, it was the big dreams of California. So with that, my family s supported this crazy pipeline dream and said, okay, time to move to California. So once I arrived in California, I worked for Equinox as a personal trainer, um, which was a really great path to get into the industry and just kind of see from an elite clientele and a beautiful facility what, it, what strength and conditioning and exercise science really has to provide for kinesiology graduates. I was in some education and I knew that ultimately the goal was to get to professional surfing. So I'd asked one of the education directors and he said, do your master's. So within a quick turnaround time, I said to my family, I'm doing my master's. And so I knew after doing the research and looking into what a master's degree entails was to do a thesis master's program. So I completed my master's degree, exercise science, kinesiology from Cal State Long Beach with a thesis dissertation, and the study was great success. Um, once I completed the research study, that really gave me a product, to say the least, of what I could provide for the surf industry. And the research in itself was a field testing performance for junior competitive surf athletes following a training program. 
And during that research study was to identify similar field tests that surfers could do on land that would quantify performance and compare them also to similar athletes in other sports. I then prescribed an eight-week preseason core strength training program that was all land-based and then post-tested these athletes. So to determine the significance, one, from a battery of a field test, and two, the effects of a training program. So twenty after 26 athletes, we had 19 junior surfers complete the study, and there was great significance in performance improvements. So from that study, one of my co-researchers, has his name is Kevin Dean, and he is the medical director with USA Surfing. And to kind of backtrack, during our very first meeting, he said to me, one day you will work with Olympians. And I thought to myself, well, surfing's not in the Olympics. And this, this was probably in 2011, the fall of 2011. So to see, and I get chills thinking about it now, to know that surfing is now in the Olympics. And Kevin then appointed me as one of his right-hand mans with USA Surfing on the High Performance Committee. Um, I'm really thrilled um, that my career and the time, you know, the hours, the education have really paved a path and also a paradigm shift for the sport of surfing. Um, In addition, the last five years, I've also been the manager of data and analytics and sport performance research at Mamba Sports Academy, which started as a startup in 2015 and was originally called Sports Academy. And I started that company at inception. So unfortunately, due to COVID-19 and this pandemic, we are all experiencing all sports obviously are canceled. So currently, my, my main focus, as always, is the love and passion for surfing and bringing those athletes to the podium. And it sounds like you've had a really um, innovative and entrepreneurial almost kind of route in because, you, you know, quite classically, people um, study kines or sports science if maybe in the UK or Australia, and then they kind of try and get internships, uh, spend some time unpaid working at teams, and then hope that that's the the kind of foot in the door, but it sounds like you've almost um, taken a slightly, yeah, slightly different and very interesting route in at, at kind of producing and proving uh, competence in a non-traditional way to then advertise yourself professionally into a team. Um, does that you. sound kind of a fair assessment? Or I, it sounds great. Absolutely, I will. You know, I have done my internships. You know, starting from my undergraduate time. You know, internships are essential, and one pinnacle move in my internship process was interning with Red Bull. And this was during my first year of my graduate degree. And the only way that I saw myself in the sport of surfing was to go to the top companies and seek um, that high performance model that Red Bull was probably one of the trailblazers um, in setting this high performance model. And that was with Andy Walsh and Per Lundsum. And I was so fortunate to get my foot in the door and to have those, that interning, the interning summer, um, from a high performance standpoint. And that's what really started opening up those connections. So through Red Bull, I was then introduced to Kevin Dean, my co-researcher, and I'm 
thankful for that. Um, so from an entrepreneurial aspect, I do believe that as I approached the research side of surfing, it was really having to go through all the previous literature and to really find out what hasn't been done yet. So from a introspective for myself was one, I knew my strengths was strength and conditioning, but I also knew that the status quo for surfers was the only way you're going to get better at surfing is surfing. And I thought that was ridiculous. So having a very different mindset and approach to the sport, I think is what brought this unique or um, alternative approach into getting to where I am today. Yeah, it sounds refreshing that you're not, I guess, at that moment in time, you're not um, joining an organization with the same experiences and the same letters after your name as the rest of the stack of resumes. Instead, you've you've come to them with uh, different ideas, different solutions and things you've actually uh, experientially tried out in a formal research way. So you, you've got a different offering immediately, I guess. Absolutely. And I was very thankful to have a phenomenal advisor at Long Beach State University. Um, Dr. Jill Krusemeyer was, she believed in me from the very start. And she knew, she turned me, I was one of her most tenacious students. Um, and I wasn't going to put down, I wasn't going to let down without a fight, obviously. Um, so I think that's my my East Coast kind of mentality on the, the not to say the laissez-faire West Coast, but it really does bring um, the aptitude that is needed to paradigm shift a sport. And what, what does your, I'm really curious, what what does your kind of role look like now? I know obviously we're in COVID, but if COVID wasn't happening at the moment, what would your kind of day-to-day look like and your responsibilities at, at USA Surfing? So my role with USA Surfing as part of the High Performance Committee, I am the Director of Performance Analytics. Um, Since I was appointed in June 2018 by Kevin Dean, my role is to ensure that the athletes are provided all additional resources into their repertoire or their toolbox to minimize risk of injury and to peak for performance or at the podium for the Olympic Games. So this has included remote communication, providing uh, working documents, tracking health and wellness, um, Olympic summit testing that included all the possible Olympians that would could qualify for Team USA. And in addition, I've also attended the World Qualifying Surfing Games, which took place in Miyazaki, Japan, back in September. And a little feather in my cap, I was very fortunate to work with USA's top Olympic athletes, Chris Amore, Caroline Marks, Chloe and Dino, um, even the goat Kelly Slater. Wow, you've had some good uh, some good surfing stock then, by the sounds of it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but to be honest, you know the time with working with these athletes, they are so tuned in, and to now have the Olympics as this this new facet for them is a whole nother ballpark um, in the sense of what the Olympic stage brings to the sport of surfing. And I do believe that the, the demands for the Olympic games are like no other 
outside of the surfing world of professional sports, where the surfing niche community is a very tight niche. They're used to, they're traveling. They've got all of that just in such a dialed in routine that really we want to just be able to minimize risk. And that's my role. So from a testing and compliance and tracking and analyzing trends, that's where to the medical director, myself, the stakeholders for the athletes, that is where we can really decrease that slight chance um, of injury. And kind of, we had, uh, we had Heather Linden on the show uh, a little while ago, who's from UFC. And she was really interesting talking about how the fighters come from different cultures, different countries, um, and with that different training cultures as well as to what they believe in uh, makes them a good fighter depending on their style of fighting because obviously they have very different disciplines within the UFC. Um, you know, with surfing, you're, it's quite an informal sport at a time or it could be viewed as a fairly informal sport in terms of the, the lifestyle that everybody would um, attach to it. But obviously it's become more and more professional as a sport over the years and, and it's become an elite sport in terms of uh, Olympic recognition as well. How do you kind of... Um, work with the athletes in terms of understanding their training backgrounds and are you seeing quite a lot of diversity in this sport in terms of their belief systems around uh, what supports their surfing abilities from a physical standpoint you know when there's waves there's waves and it's i think most surfers mentality is that it the timing and the regimen ultimately they're wanting to surf as much as possible and that is where they have the most freedom and expression to really display that athleticism, whether it is in just practice and reps, working on tricks or new maneuvers, um, or just from a mental health standpoint, just having that release and connection with Mother Nature. I do believe that many surfers at the professional level take their training extremely serious and regimented um, down to their tracking analysis of sleep, hydration, uh, nutrition. I think surfers are probably some of the healthiest athletes. Um, I think just from a conservation and connection to mother nature, there's no other sport like it. Um, So I do feel that they're very tuned in. They are the early birds. They're up before dawn they're in the water before the sun even rises and they will stay in the water till the sun sets so i do feel that the the continuous load that these athletes have um during their day-to-day week by week is needs to have a counterbalance as well and that's where from the amount that they are surfing being able to identify what those movement their movement quality in general because overuse happens consistently in the sport, um, where <clears throat> especially at the lower body, um, ankles, knees, um, poor hips over time, we really do see a higher risk of injury due to them wanting to push their levels. Um, now with wave pool technology, you can have an athlete, you know, do a hundred reps trying to land one air maneuver. That the impact that's happening, and if they land wrong on the board. In the flats, there goes their ankle, there goes their knee, and we see way more ACL and MCL tears 
um, than we probably ever have in the sport. Um, surfers are like dancers or like gymnasts. Um, they have hypermobile joints. They're kind of freaks of nature. Um, but they are just as explosive as basketball athletes. Their rotational power is similar to a baseball swing and how fast, you know, uh, pretty much comparable to a collegiate athlete in baseball. Um, same with golf and tennis. So I think that's still where I come back to the whole, what I've seen in research of just being able to balance out what these athletes are doing. Um, and as a seasonal approach, but surfing is year round. With kind of, I guess, let's, let's say field-based sports, because they're, they're kind of a common currency globally. We know a fair bit about those sports in terms of uh, what like lab, I guess, or what like gym and uh, ground-based tests have some good overlap with performance or maybe injury risk competitively. Obviously, surfing's probably got a, a smaller research base to pull from, but is there... Is there any kind of land-based markers or, or performance markers that you've seen that overlap really well with competitive success? Absolutely. You know, I, I pretty much say to the basics a lot of times because I don't agree with trying to create something new if it hasn't really, if it doesn't have the validity or the reliability behind it. Um, so that kind of, in the lab setting, I'm all about looking at asymmetries, lower body power rate of force development, um, movement quality in general. And typically surfers are not always gym rats. Um, there are a few, absolutely. Um, and I think now that there's, we've been able to bridge the gap in performance and the quantification aspect. And that's where I take a lot of pride in what I have been able to see and collect for athletes. Um, it's really just better movement quality. Um, because, you know, surfers are used to this like valgus collapse with their back leg. And we see a lot of like weak adduction um, with the surfers and we see a lot of asymmetries, unfortunately. Um, I do believe we could always see stronger glutes and hamstrings within the athletes, um, just from a power component. Um, sometimes these athletes, if they're not taught at the youth junior level, how to land, Landing mechanics are atrocious sometimes. I'm not saying that, you know, all surfers have poor landing mechanics, but it's just common if they haven't been taught from a trained professional how to land and absorb force, then we're going to see knees buckle, ankles buckle, hips collapse. You know, we're going to see the entire, you know, kinetic chain just collapse. So, you know, I do feel the lab setting versus the field testing environments, it's no different, actually, you know, compared to field sports, because those are the metrics where we can actually use to validate and compare and have an athlete understand, okay, so if we were, if we were to compare you to a, an athlete in basketball, you know, from a vertical jump component, and you're in, let's take a 17-year-old surfer, you know, who's pro amateur and he's, you know, already has a baseline vertical jump, 35 inches. That's phenomenal for a 17 year old, right? Even at the basket for basketball. That's great. That's better than some NFL combine athletes I've seen, you know, that should be more explosive. Um, so I do think that those athletes, 
you know, especially surfers want to know how they compare to other athletes. So I really try not to get too fancy um, with different types of tasks. I, I really try to keep it simple for them. And obviously, like the stuff we're talking about now is largely kind of movement and force uh, centric stuff, um, which I guess the so what factor is it then allows the the strength conditioning coach as an example to tweak the program around that to try and have a different uh, outcome next time around when you test as a kind of sports scientist are you quite heavily involved in looking at sort of energy systems and fitness and physiologic markers in the water and how they kind of compare uh, from a conditioning standpoint as well i believe from a physiological aspect you know what vo2 maxes should be determined i mean surfers are just they're comparable to elite cyclists and marathon runners um which is amazing i would say even though surfers, you put them, there has been research that has put surfers with a metabolic cart in a pool, I think is awesome. Um, and to really do the short interval um, work to rest ratio and blood, blood lactate testing. Absolutely. Um, because even for these athletes during in heat, during a 25, 30 minute heat for surfing approximately uh, they could surf non-competition for six hours plus a day, you know? So that is like an elite cyclist, you know, for what they're doing in their pursuit. Um, during competition times, that work-to-rest ratio has to be pre- precise um, and that recovery because they may surf three heats in a day and from the heat, humidity, I mean – not to say all locations for surfing are in hot, humid weather, but then it's also you could be surfing with a three mil millimeter wetsuit on that adds added drag resistance to your movements and extra just strength that is needed. So I do feel that from a pre-testing and baseline establishment, seeing where those athletes are metabolically is absolutely important. As a physio, one of the things I'm really interested in actually in talking to you is when we look at, say, a court-based sport or a field-based sport, we can use GPS, we can use IMUs, and we can break down the kind of the impacts, the foot contacts, whatever the metric is, um, in forming a return-to-play process. We can we can kind of break down the numbers that they need to be hitting as, as benchmarks back towards performance. Is there any kind of key metrics that, from an injury standpoint, you... I know it's case specific, but is there any is there any metrics that you particularly care about uh, in piecing together the surfing performance and where the injured surfer is heading back to? You know, that's where from an athletic trainer, medical evaluation, chiropractor evaluation, physical therapist, you know, I really work collaboratively with those practitioners because I do feel that it is a collective, holistic decision that. All athletes, case by case, need to have happen. Um, You know, I think that for surfers in particular, given the injury, a lot of them have, I think, depending upon the severity of the injury, also determines what that return to water may be. And And it could be that they are just going out for a paddle. You know, they take out a longboard and they're just going to be back in the ocean or just body surfing, taking it easy. I think 
for for many not having that sense to the sense of being in the ocean is probably one of the more uh, mental determinants that you know really break a surfer down and not being able to be in the ocean so i think from a therapeutic standpoint swimming is essential for these athletes um landing mechanics i do i do feel if there's an injury to the lower body um you know, you pray that you captured healthy baseline testing and that then, you know, the entire performance team and committee, you know, can start reassessing um, those return to play protocols, whether it's just simple single leg landing or, you know, hop, time to stabilization, you know, what happens during the perturbations um, with from a motor control. Um, you know, I think from a rehab standpoint, I have a very conservative approach and I do believe that, you know, to the practitioners, everyone's got to work together. And is there any kind of blind spots or what are the areas that from your point of view, you have less idea about from a, in terms of quantifying or um, scientifically understanding surfing as a competitive event? That's a really great question. I mean, I don't know if this answers the question the best way, but I, I, my ultimate next research study, and hopefully no one beats me to it, but I think anyone who's in researching and surfing and now with the establishment of wave pools, I mean, my ultimate goal is to be able to do motion capture and wave pool technology. I think until we're able to actually collect in that environment, because it's way too hard to collect motion capture in the ocean, I've tried. Uh, and I've tried to figure out, you know, how I can make it work in a wave pool. Um I, that's, that's where I think we'll be able to really dive into the mechanics of flow and everything from a, a hydrodynamics um, and what happens with surfboard technology, weight distribution, fin technology. I think there's, that is so untapped um, because every surfer is different, how a board's made. And that's where the relationship between the surfer and the shaper is so critical. Um, I do. I would say that would probably be where I have yet to tap. We can watch and depict movement quality while an athlete is surfing with their technique, but until we can really have it in a true biomechanical analysis on water, yeah, that's that's always to me. I'm ready, Kelly. I'm ready to work with Kelly Slater's wave pool. I'll, I'll, I'm, you know, any wave pool. Let's set up. 10 cameras and let's go <laughs> like that probably answers my question as well about rehab i guess once you've got that information it's going to be a lot easier to then work backwards and know what you're aiming for aiming for in terms of the metrics that uh, benchmark rehab processes in return to play or return to surf absolutely it's interesting we had uh, the last guest on the show was the last one of the last guests on the show was matt taberner who's a sports scientist in the uk who's come up with a control to chaos continuum looking at kind of um periodizing rehab from uh, high control low chaos back to uh less control if you like but more chaos and i guess for you guys the the wave gardens kind of give you that middle ground where you've got a controllable wave um and a little bit more predictability in terms of training or rehab um from a performance standpoint I mean, there is there is a price to it as well, though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I guess not everybody, I guess not every surfer has access to that, depending on uh, geography. Exactly. You know, you've worked at Red Bull previously, um, which I know from speaking to uh, Per Lundstam is a very athlete-centered environment. 
and you've been at Mamba and now, of course, you're at USA Surfing. Is there, it's a bit of a broad question, but is there an underlying philosophy, um, you know, personal to how you practice that underpins how you function as a sports scientist? Yeah, you know, I, I believe my approach is the integrated and holistic communication for high performance. Um, I do believe decisions have to be made collectively and with data, evidence-based research, um, you need to bring all the facets of performance together. Um, We have an ability to collect a magnitude amount of data, but it's truly essential to ensure the communication between all practitioners, stakeholders, and the athletes when it comes to decision-making. Um, I mean, for example, you know, I, at Mamba Sports Academy, you know, a lot of my work entailed working with our pre-draft for NBA or NFL athletes. And we could have, you know, my role was always to establish baseline testing for these athletes. And they could be coming from, from just fresh off of a full season and to incorporate from a medical evaluation, a biomechanics evaluation, an SNC testing, body composition testing, psychological testing, cognitive testing. There is so much that the athlete needs to succeed for their biggest interview of their life. And for the team cohesion for one athlete, it's truly what makes or breaks the athlete's career. Because if we see poor movement quality, then we know from an SNC standpoint, they can't be loading them super heavy. They better be working on their foundation and building, you know, from a movement quality before they even get to that heavy loading lifting phase. Um, but if we're seeing extreme fatigue and poor recovery, it may not be from an SNC standpoint. It could be the nutrition, or it could just be from a psycho- psychological level. So I do feel that there is not one that overpowers another. Um, and I really feel that those, those channels of communication between team members and practitioners is the only way an athlete's going to succeed. But it's also the feedback from the athlete, you know, daily wellness questionnaires, um, really seeing how they feel and creating that open dialogue. Instead of just being like, hey, how are you doing today? Good, good, good. Okay, ready? Here, here's your workout. I mean, my, my job is to make sure that before the athlete walks through the doors, I already have a, a current wellness status from the athlete. And that's through athlete management softwares. And, you know, I've been fortunate. I've worked with a great company, Edge 10, that's based in the UK. Um, and it has grown tremendously. And I've worked with that company for now the last five years. And to know that athlete tracking and data analysis is, you know, it, it's important to be able to display the athlete's results in a snapshot dashboard for daily decision-making because you could map out the best eight-week training program for that athlete come day four or week three, it all goes to shit because something's not pulling its weight or we're overtraining or we're not pushing them hard enough, or we're just not prescribing the right amount of food. Um, usually we try to minimize all those, um, those risks because the practitioner should know best. And usually they do. <laughs> as a, you know, as somebody who works 
um, centrally around data analytics and sports science, people will be able to take clear values out of what you've just said is your your philosophy to being effective in your environment. Is there any kind of strategies that you've deployed or is there any kind of ideas that um, people can steal from you in terms of how they, if they do a similar role to you, can facilitate those values and kind of link the departments well together and and ensure that communication is slick? Mm-hmm. I like that. Um to be real super slick, I think you have to innately be a great communicator. You also have to be willing to want to work with people and to connect people. And I personally love pulling people together. If I think that someone is needing to increase their involvement and their communication, we all have to understand what's going to bring our best foot forward. So being curious and asking questions and not being afraid to ask those questions. Um, Staying up to date with technology and the, I hate to say this, the white papers that support technology. Um, I think there are some, there's a lot of great, tools, hardware, softwares that are really leading, you know, the sports industry when it comes to quantifying. And, but I do believe that within this holistic high performance approach, you really have to understand all these facets of performance and not be so siloed into SNC or siloed in only nutrition. It, it's having an even keel balance for all of these um, quantifiables that it affect performance. And where can people, is there, is there a good place for people to follow you and kind of see what you're up to um, in, the, in the interesting sports world that you exist in? Yeah, you know, I, I'd say I've got, um, you know, LinkedIn is always a great way to first off connect with me. Um, and you know, uh, social media is always another avenue. I'd say I think it, I've been a little less social on social because I'm always more personal. I, I enjoy more or less talking one-on-one and really kind of using this COVID time to not be so um, devoted to my cell phone from a scrolling type feed. Um, but I do appreciate, you know, people reaching out on LinkedIn and that's how you and I connected. So I think, you know, that's where relationships can grow and build. Um, you know, when people have questions, I think it's always just as great just to pick up the phone and chat. Um, everyone needs someone nowadays and everyone in this pandemic, it's great to have those lines of communication. And you on Twitter or Instagram, are you on the usual, uh, suspects and Yes, Twitter, Instagram, you can find me at Traxel, T-R-A-X-E-L, um, on Twitter and on Instagram. So cool. We'll link that into the, uh, into the episode show notes as well, so people can, people can easily find you if they want to contact you or follow you. Well, Tr- Tracy, thank you so much for coming on today's show and, and providing a really uh, unique insight into a, a, an aspect of sport that maybe quite a few people have not come across or see a little bit less in the common literature wonderful thank you for having me that's a pleasure thank you
I'd like to thank Tracy for coming on today's show. I really enjoyed speaking to her and getting some insight into a sport that is dramatically different to at least my previous experiences and potentially many of yours as well. Next episode, I'll be speaking to Dr. Jazz Rondauer, the sports medicine lead at Altis Performance, which is definitely one to keep an eye out for. To ensure that you don't miss that episode with Jazz or any future episodes, then follow us on Instagram at informperformance or on Twitter at informpod. As usual, the episode and show notes will be on our website, informperformance.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode today and thanks for listening to the Informed Performance Podcast.